Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, where we go inside and under the flooring industry. Welcome to another episode of The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast. And with me as always is my co-host, Michael Roberts, GM of Clever Choice. How are you, mate? I'm feeling relaxed, sunburn. Well, you've got yeah, you know, you've got the shirt untucked today, so it's casual Tuesday. Um, it's just so it's not putting too much pressure on my um, bright red tomato-looking body right now. Right, not sun smart on the weekend. Um, I was, but I didn't realise that uh, when you get up to the Whit Sundays and get out on uh, Whitehaven Beach for eight hours, that that sun can just absolutely fry you. Okay. So yeah, uh, the standard. Um, 30 plus every three hours just simply was not enough. Yeah, we tend to forget, don't we? The, the reapplication of sunscreen is so uh, so key. Yeah, you think, okay, on the boat on the way out, I'll apply. Yeah. And you, you know, get out and start enjoying the view and Absolutely. the beers. And, yeah. And um, before you know it, you look down and, and you're glowing. You've got a pommy tan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Okay, look, joining us in the panic room today are Stephen and David from BMS Group. We're going to talk insurance. G'day. So welcome. Hello, Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Boys. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. yeah. So we've got a couple of first timers, so we're going to take it really easily and really smooth on them today. We'll start with yeah. you, Steve. Insurance. Yeah. What's your background? How long have you been involved with BMS Group? Tell me a bit about it. Well, my background there is actually finance. So I came to Australia 16 years ago, 17 years ago, and I was uh, studying Master of Accounting. And I got my degree in two years' time and then madly looking for accounts, you know, related jobs. And then it eventually took me three years, another three years to get my CPA, like uh, which is the Qualified account- Accounting uh, Certification. And then I found a job in, used to be called Ausbrokers Coast to Coast uh, as the finance manager. So I was, I joined the company back in 2014 and then been doing the finance role up until probably the beginning of last year. And during the last probably three, four years, I've been bringing a lot of Asian or especially Chinese client into uh, the company because I just love what I do. And I keep talking about insurance and that's my biggest weakness and I just can't shut up. <laughs> um, so <coughs> so people came in, um, they, you know, obviously I care about my friends and, you know, the people who are actually doing this thing, insurance, they just buy random shit from the bank. Uh, sorry, my language, that uh, the insurance from the bank. It's actually not the bank's problem. They just don't understand what they're buying. And then, um, you know, when it comes to claims, they just don't pay. So uh, gradually, I've got, you know, roughly around, give or take, 230 to 250 clients. And one of my peers uh, who has been in the, in the insurance industry, he's also like Chinese, had retired uh, March last year. And he's got a book of 230 clients as well. So my boss see the needs for someone who come out and, you know, provide you know, good service and look after the, you know, a group of people somewhere between 380 to 400 clients. Uh, so, you know, say, mate, you need to actually do something. You, you can, you know, provide more value in insurance than uh, finance probably. Yeah. So at the moment, yeah, I'm doing two roles, um, a little bit f- probably 10% finance and 90% insurance related. It's interesting you say that. Look, my dad was an accountant, mm-hmm. and the, the, there's the ongoing joke of you know what's what's an, what does an accountant use for contraception? Yeah, their personality. Yeah, right. <laughs> now that would not seem to be the case with you, mate. If nah. you can go out and and talk to people and and be like a you're a salesman. 
essentially yeah. now. So that's funny so enough you say that because I think personality, everyone's got different personality, right? I mean, it's it, it is interesting that regardless which role or which industry you go into, eventually it will always take you to the the role or job or career that suits your personality. Yeah. You're right. I as accountant, you should probably shut. 90% of the time and keep very confidential and very secret. Like you can't really share information with other people. Uh, unfortunately, I can't. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I appreciate my boss have me, give me so many opportunities that I breach a little bit of the confidentialities and just say, man, this, you know, sales suits you better. So yeah. that's why it takes me to my current role. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And Dave, what about you, mate? Similar similar path to, to greatness or? Uh, I started out as a cabinet maker, so not really. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, early on, I had a, I had a kid when I was really young, so I um, figured that um, heavy lifting, etc., wasn't really going to be the game for me long term. So I thought I'll do some office work and got in through uh, call centre work, actually. I was uh, got my confidence through cold calling to, uh, to sell computers or alarm systems uh, God, all over the country. What a grind. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But it, it hardens you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So you you get used to hearing no, just not at the nightclub on a Friday night. A hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> got plenty of those as well. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's it's it takes. A, I think it takes a two things. It takes a special person to to work in sales, but I there's a stigma around insurance. A hundred percent. And I think it takes a special person to be able to sort of park that and know that you are doing the right thing for the right reasons. So you, you hear these negative things about insurance and we just had a little uh, war story outside before we came inside about don't they're not going to pay they're not going to pay how do you combat that what's you know what's how necessary are brokers is probably a good place to start and what does their role what do they help to facilitate sure sure so a broker is a client advocate in the insurance contract essentially so we sit in between the insurer and the, the customer um, and basically act for the customer and advocate for the customer. So how important? I mean, if you don't know anything about insurance, you should absolutely get a broker. It's like having an accountant to do your tax. If you don't know about tax, don't try and do it yourself. Mm. Um, they're on your side. Uh, and so it, it, the, the stigma's not really there yet once the customer understands that. So... We do a lot of explaining of, of that um, topic. Uh, it's usually one of the first topics we talk about to customers who haven't maybe understood that before or have had a broker who maybe didn't act uh, in the best way for them in the past. Um, yeah. Uh, Steve, do you want to add something to that? Yeah, I think um, the biggest misunderstanding between um, the customer and the insurers is you know customers always believe that you know, or most of them at least believe that insurance doesn't, they don't pay claims, they don't do the right thing, it's a waste of money. I mean, to a degree, if this is like if you go to a, a car dealership and you bought a car with three wheels and you don't understand whether this car can drive or not, you wouldn't expect them to, you know, the day where you actually got the car, it can, can't be driven, but you don't understand what you're buying. You can't really blame the dealership, right? You need to actually do your research, understand the PDS, whether it's a bank or direct insurer send it to you. Uh, most people wouldn't because they think it's too complicated. When it comes to claims, they want to get paid. So if you don't even understand what he bought, you can't really blame the whether it's insurers or you know, UE or Budget Direct. You can't really blame them because you haven't done your work. So like Dave said, it is easier 
Sure, it costs more money, but it's easier to actually find someone who understands what they're doing and give you the advice and, you know, even tell you, mate, if you're concerned about the cost, don't buy insurance. That's, that's sometimes we say this to the client. Don't buy it if you don't actually trust and believe insurance because there's no, no point for anyone, including ourselves, to explain to you how important you buy proper insurance and how your claim will go because if it hadn't happened to you, right, for example, you haven't had, you've never had claim before, there's no point for us to explain to you it's the importance because you wouldn't understand. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a big decision for the client to make. Whether you want to spend or say invest the money into you, your asset, something you've spent the whole life actually got, like your house, right? Most people got to spend their whole year savings, like whole, sorry, whole life savings uh, into a, a massive house and, you know, you need to actually protect it, like mm-hmm. protect your family, your wife, your kids, the same thing, yeah. So, in essence, the broker works for the client, yeah. not the insurance company. It's in your goal 100%, yeah. to um, look after your client. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a people game too, so you've got to understand that it's like any industry – not everyone who works for those insurance companies knows everything about insurance either. And so sometimes when they're knocking back a claim, it's because they don't know that it's covered. And so they, their first instinct as the insurer might be to knock it back. But we uh, would then go in and say, well, actually, I don't think you understand that quite perfectly. You're going to have to pay. So I guess also, you guys finding the best deals, going to the best people, have you, like, are you... Is that part of your job? Absolutely. Yeah, um, definitely. So we don't – certain risks are for certain insurers and they have a, uh, an appetite, they call it. So they, certain insurers want to insure trade risks. Certain insurers really want to focus on the domestic home and contents and car insurance. Um, other insurers really wouldn't really insure – much in terms of assets unless it's a high-rise building. That's what they're looking for. So um, it's our job to understand that market and go to the insurers who are likely to give us the uh, the best outcome. And I've got a bit of a, a slogan that I teach young brokers to use that you've got a fo- four, four areas of focus as a broker um, and I made a rhyme out of it so they'd remember. Uh, service first, advice, cover and price. So Price is the last piece in that, uh, and it should be in that order. Price is the last piece in the puzzle, but it certainly um, and only really comes after you've done the, the service piece, but it's certainly the cover has to be there, otherwise the price doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Right? You can have a cheap price for a rubbish product and it's no good to you anyway. There's no value there. So, um, yeah. That's oh, I think in, I reckon in more than anything – Price would be the last, mm-hmm. has to be the last. Like you need to ensure that you are insured correctly and the price is the price. Like if you go, and we, we it was funny, we moved into our house, we moved to the Gold Coast, we rented for 10 months and then bought our house at Eleonora. So six months later, my wife essentially set the kitchen on fire. Now, we knew no one, only relatively new to the Gold Coast, but we were with Commonsure. Because right. that's mm-hmm. just who we were with. And it was a nightmare. It really was. Right. Like it was, they the claim was quite easy, but then it was dealing with all the stuff after that Commonsure essentially were like, well, we've cleared the claim now. So you're now dealing, and we and because we didn't know any tradesmen, we said, well, can you hook us up, which was a mistake. Right. And it's it was a nightmare. Like it, it went for seven months right. to get the kitchen and the rest of the house fixed. 
Jeez. So it's like, and it was funny, like, we felt a bit guilty because we're like, we've only been insured with them for six months and now we've made this, you know, $140,000 claim on them. We've paid them, you know, $1,200 and we've yeah. made a $140,000 claim. And I said to Megan, let's just move. <laughs> let's, no, I mean, let's move insurance. Let's let's just move insurance. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. yeah like, and she goes, oh, but, oh, but, and I'm like, but, but it was terrible experience. Yeah. Like, I understand it's, you know, you guys must see people at their best and worst time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? But is there any, is there any uh, loyalty? Should there be loyalty uh, to the customer, from the insurer, or from the? Well, I think from the, from the customer to the insurer, yeah. There, there can be definitely. Is there benefits to loyalty? Is there a benefit to loyalty? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends. I mean, if you're direct with an insurer, I, I don't believe that's the case. So if but if you've got a broker there, I believe there is a loyalty that you can build and because you are leaning on the relationship that the brokers hold the holds long term with that insurer as well i mean we a customer can only have one policy for one asset uh, for instance but the broker's got 5000 of those and so the relationships there the longevity of of a policy and so it becomes a, a different conversation obviously when it's large complex risks or, or large assets etc but it's. I think there's still a uh, a case to be made for loyalty in, even on your your home insurance. Um, it's a lot easier for an insurer to pay a claim, a big claim, for instance, if you've got ten years worth of premium in your pocket. Um, because again, this is this is a people game. This is all somebody's looking at the screen and going, "How long have we had this customer? What do we know about them? What did they tell us when they set up the policy?" But if you've if you've had ten years, there's Probably less scrutiny, I would think, from anyone. It's just a, uh, I think that's human nature. Mm. Yep. Um, and so, so yes, there's a case for loyalty. It varies in degree across different asset classes and, you know, whether you've got a broker or not, I think. So, sort of discussing home and car and, you know, most of us have got that basic... I guess insurance. Um, we're, we're obviously aware of it and aware of the pros and cons. But then business. I remember uh, several months ago uh, when we sat down with with you two guys and looked at clever as a business. It's a bit more complex. Um, it sure is. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just content insurance <laughs> and building insurance and car insurance. I think there was nearly twenty different types of insurance. Yeah. So. I guess for business, why like why is there so many insurances and why are businesses are a lot of I guess the businesses we deal with are mum and dad businesses and again like you said most people you don't know what you don't know yes absolutely um, so tell us a little bit about you know the difference between I guess business insurance and you know the things that people need to cover there and be aware of you know opposed from just your standard personal yeah. insurance. I think I think the the key thing for any business insurance, especially um, what the broker has to offer, is we you know, like we BMS Group, we actually do it slightly differently. We go out and meet with our clients, and uh, the reason for that is it's very important for us or for any brokers, suppose you know, to do the right thing and understand the business well, right? Because if you don't even understand what the business do, and you know, normally you will see someone get onto say Budget Direct or online. 
to get a, a quote, a generic quote, right? I just want public liability and that's it. And they don't even understand what is covered under the public liability. Um, but, you know, a good broker should go out, always sit down, form the relationship and have the care factor and explain what is the proper risk or what we see as the broker that might happen in your industry or a business like you, what is a very, very common claim, right? And our job is to really explain to you the pros and cons and just explain, okay, you're going to cost X, but this is going to cover you Y. And it depends on the business whether they want to actually or they want to actually pay the money to get themselves covered. And sometimes they, they don't, right? They're saying, understand I need 10 covers, but I can only afford six. That's fine. But at least you understand you haven't got the other four. And if gradually when you actually grow your business, you can afford more uh, or you just self-insure that risk yourself anyway. But it's our job to actually explain to you what you need and what we, in our view, that you should actually bought for your business to make sure that, you know, kind of like, a, you know, just have a safeguard behind your, in your back doors or backyard, make sure this is not catching fire. So this is, yeah, my view. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, and a business is very much more complex, obviously, than a, than a, a person's own life. Generally, the insurance a person buys is, is just for a few assets. Um, they're not having to insure against the activities they're undertaking like a business would have to. And, and those business, those activities vary uh, and they can b- include you know, dealing with customers, dealing with suppliers, so, um, uh, and you know, dealing with all of the agreements you've made with all those different people uh, brings with it some, some complexity to the risk, right? You've got, uh, you've got assets to insure as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you've then got potential for liability in every activity you undertake. And so if you're, um, uh, if you're putting forward um, an offer to someone in writing, then that has inherent risk built into it. So we need to talk to each business about how they conduct their business um, and then really attempt to sort of predict what are the, the big uh, or most frequent or most likely scenarios that could lead to a loss in the business, um, which can be a customer having a loss and then that you're being responsible for that. That's a um, like a liability type claim. Yep. Um, and uh, apart from assets and essentially activities or liabilities, you could call them uh, risks, you've also got your um, risks that are inherent to running any business. So if, if you're running a business, you have a, a computer system, therefore you've got a, a risk of your, um, your data being stolen or compromised in some fashion. Um, you've also got a, a range of responsibilities. If you're a director of a company, you've got to protect yourself against those. So there's a uh, hundred different vectors of attack for, for any business or business owner to be um, to suffer an unexpected loss. And so we need to talk. That's what we that's what we go and do. Uh, and that's what we did with you. We, we talked about how you conduct your business, etc. Um, and what other inherent risks there are in running a business. Um, and some of the experiences we've we've seen, we can bring to the table there as well. I've I've been doing this uh, about nineteen years, and you you see some stuff. <laughs> right. And it was very interesting uh, when you two came into our office, and what I thought was our business priority for insurance was actually nearly in reverse. Um, we you know I've, I thought we we're coming in talking about car insurance, and you know if the place burnt down and all our property. Which is obviously very important because, you know, they're our major assets. But I guess listening to you guys and going through the series of questions, which, you know, at the beginning was very frustrating because I think I don't need that. You know, why are we talking about this? 
But then when we sort of got deep into it and looking at, I guess, the times that we're in, um, you know, COVID, computers, you know, just everything, and then really looking at the risk, you know, something like cyber was something that we just never even considered. Um, all of a sudden become, well, yeah, you know, all of us are using devices. We've got our web page, we've got our website, we've got social media, we've got all our systems sitting on clouds. Um and not up in the sky, but in the computer generate you know generated world. Um, so that sort of became really real. And I guess it's what you guys were saying to actually get to know our business. And you know that was a couple of meetings. Yeah, it takes it takes quite a few visits to really get to know a business and a, and a business owner because all, all business owners and managers are, are different. They have a different style, um, and you really want to understand that because sometimes even the management style can can carry an inherent risk as well. Uh, might have met a few who've uh, run afoul of fair work, etc. You know, and you, if you understand that that's a that's a potential, you know, you know what kind of character the person has, or you know that um, the level of company procedural documents and and how strictly they might be followed under under that person, you can talk, you can sort of um, build a bit of a risk matrix in your in your head, even um, certainly document that. Uh, and then start to recommend products that um, that would be really important for that business and that person. Well, I think for for a company like Clever, that sure you got the bricks and mortar stuff. Yeah, but I'd be straight on cybersecurity for sure. Like, how yeah. important? What's the value of client information? And yeah, and a- that's just got to be that's frightening. And, and you got the Optus thing that happened this year and or last year, and you've got it's such a real threat now. Yeah. Uh, that and we. We've got a couple of clients that are that are in the space that are IT sort of clients, and they're all over that. They're like, every time I hear them talk, it's all about cybersecurity. And sure, it's another service to sell, but I think it's one of those ones we've actually got to stand up and go, this is real. Yeah, <clears> I, I agree with that. Um, the interesting, I had a conversation with uh, the owner of Clever, um, and the f- <laughs> the feedback I got from him is, how can we get hacked? Like, um, we use everything in, in the cloud base, right? And we got Microsoft, you know, or Google or whoever, actually, the service provider will have a, a robust, you know, IT system or security system. And, and I said to him, mate, the, what makes me scared is you think you're safe. Oh, no worries, Steve. How can I get hacked? I said, mate, if I know how to hack you, I wouldn't be working as an insurance broker. I'll be, <laughs> I'll, I'll be working as a hacker. Yeah. Because it would definitely be more profitable, right? So um, I went to a cyber like seminar or training seminar in Brisbane uh, a few months ago. And at the moment in Australia, every 11 seconds – business is getting hacked every 11 seconds not 11 minutes wow so everyone's looking at their you know floorings and stock in the warehouse I and mean, the chance for the whole warehouse catch a fire and sort of burn down is probably one in 75 years right but the chance for you to get a cyber attack you will get it okay? it's just a matter of time yeah and how they're going to do it i've got no idea when you got hacked you contact google or microsoft and I promise you one thing, you wouldn't have checked the agreement you signed with them or they ask you to tick, 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 you confirm this, you understand that. They will be closing there. I haven't seen it, but they will be closing and saying, hey, don't come to me. This it's is your own responsibility yeah. Yeah. to actually, yeah. they wouldn't play the game with you. Otherwise, they will actually have no business to run other than paying the, the, the cyber claims. Or So uh, in our view, cyber, yes. And the, the dangerous thing is you can't see it. You can't touch it. It's, it's, it's an intangible thing. Like it's, it's an invisible thing. But it is happening across more and more in the country or even around the world, right? So this is the... But I guess that's the hard thing. You, mm-hmm. you, I reckon you hit on the exact point there. 
So the warehouse, the stock, it's tangible. You yep. walk. Michael can walk downstairs, yep. can walk into the warehouse and see the seventy-five thousand rolls of underlay, mm-hmm. and and the and the one point four million boards of floorboard, mm-hmm. and go, ah, I can insure that. But it's that stuff you can't see. And then it becomes, it's a bit like SEO for, for a digital marketing company yep. where you're selling the dark arts. Mm-hmm. Now, when we start to talk about cyber, it's a dark art. Like, you don't know anything about, no one knows anything about it. Because you're right, if you knew something about it, you'd be doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you'd be living on an island in the South Pacific just with a laptop and just bringing the money in. But, <laughs> so that must be difficult. And I think that, so what's the what's the approach with that? Because you must have people go, don't need it, don't need it. So how do you, is it just something where you just sort of just, it's almost like a slap? Actually. And it's like, guys. F- funny enough you say that because uh, I reckon at least seven out of ten of our clients wouldn't take cyber cover, at least seven if not eight. Um, it's, again, it's our role, our job, responsibility is to explain the, the potential damage and the impact it can cause to a business. And sometimes... Unfortunately, like business like Optus and, and Medibank, they've recently got hacked, right? And Optus doesn't even have cyber client. Oh, sorry, doesn't even have a cyber policy. So, for business like Optus, they are apparently having more clients. They will have a lot of um, high end pro- like personnel who actually now collectively <laughs> launch a lawsuit <coughs> against Optus. They w- wouldn't enjoy that. And for directors and people on in the board, like in the board directors, they will actually have to vote to actually comes to that decision that we don't we don't need cyber insurance. And it would be interesting. I won't be, I won't be surprised if they gone back to the meeting minutes and work out who actually vote no to that decision. Is they actually responsible for that? Because you can't just simply say no and something happened. Oh, it's not my fault. It is your fault, mate. So you, you just for a small business like um, Clever Choice, you know, even they're a reasonable size business, but still compared to Optus, it's yeah, small. Of course. Mm. Um, again, you know, especially I feel like a lot of like uh, local customers because I'm from China originally. Uh, a lot of local customers they understand cyber a lot better. Um, the customer or clients who don't understand cyber or don't, let's put it this way, who don't want to understand cyber are more from Asian, right? Like, no, no offense, I'm, I'm Asian too, but yeah. they just don't. They they want to save their money, but eventually it costs, it will cost them way more than the, the premium they saved. And because cyber is now like a new product, it's, it's relatively new, right? It's been in the market a few years now. Uh, it's more like management liability, say 15 years ago, right? No one understands management liability. You know, there's not many failed claims. Um, people tend to actually be genuine, do the right thing, you know, work hard and, you know, just retire, uh, stay in one place and retire. Now, now the, the world has changed dramatically. People will have a conversation with the management team and call sick. Whether it's stress leave, don't feel well, a fake medical certificate from a, a doctor or ring the doctor online, I mean, on the phone and get a, you know, PDF document, right? And send to, and company can't do anything. And if you do something, it become a discrimination. That the worst case scenario goes to a general protection claim, which is the worst because they don't have a cap on that. So they can the the, the, the yeah general protection claim, whether it's discrimination or races or sex, you know, sex or if you say I'm a female, company doesn't like me, they sacked me, or it's a predetermined decision, they haven't gone through a procedure. That there's no limitation on the claim. They're working say to hey, clever choice. You've caused this damage to this girl. That's the actual impact on her family life. But here you go, it's three million dollars. So they just pick a number. They just pick a number. It's usually a discrimination type claim. Yeah, with it, that. yeah. yeah. That's very, very yeah. dangerous. Yeah. So. Wow. And that was one of the interesting. Like, I had no idea about management liability. Yeah. What management liability? Like, I'm liable for what I say. Heaven um, forbid. I know. <laughs> Hope you got insurance, Michael. <laughs> well. 
thanks to these two guys here, we do now. Um, because, you know, in an office environment, you know, sometimes it's not that you're not thinking about what you're saying, but you're not thinking, you know, like, I guess we've all got different backgrounds and we've all been brought up in different ways and, you know, we've all been brought up by our gener- our older generation mm-hmm. and generations change, um, you know. So what was acceptable for my mum or dad speaking at a barbecue or my grandparents speaking at a barbecue or the behaviour that they um, portrayed in the workplace is not acceptable today. Um, and for, you know, a lot of good reasons, um, obviously, you know, with of, um, the way that, you know, society is moving forward and, you know, equal opportunities. And, you know, we spoke last week about, you know, women's rights and things like that. Um, so totally, totally agree with all that. But it still doesn't stop your lips from moving. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's only going to be one person. You know and, that's like, and that's that's the risk, right? And, it's and it just doesn't even be have to be directly at that exactly person. Exactly right. And, and that I, person's just got to be in earshot of what you've said. So this is where I, right. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that, that, sure, we had to move. And this, we're getting a bit off topic, but this is, it's quite interesting. But I think for, as a society, we had to move, and we do. We have to change. We have to get better. But God, are we going to the nth degree? Oh. Like, has it just become, are we are we woke? Like, to the, like... Squared, like it's it's Oof. incredible. I can't imagine from a. I think I think it's, it all comes to again. Um, I've been in the HR area in, in the business, right? I used to be the finance HR and, and business service manager. Like sometimes at all, uh, kind of, mate. Do, doing, many hats? doing all of them, but nothing is excellent. You know, like yeah. it's uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of mediocre. Everything. Jack of all trades, master of none. Hundred yeah. percent, mate. <laughs> um, so I I probably has had um I would say at least twenty employees or ex employees that. I've gone through the, the performance process, like the, the performance management process with them. Uh, I also learned a lot as well because before I had people throwing their warning letter, I give them at my face, the people yelling at you in the, in the meeting room. Um, 10 years ago when I was younger, uh, I guess, you know, around 30 years old, I was a bit emotional. I was, you know, my personality was very sort of robust. I would have this argument with those employees and eventually I learned my lesson that you can't doesn't matter what they do. You need to come down. You need to go through the process. As painful as it could be, you just can't actually jump up and down and swear at employee. And never, right? You never do that. Regardless of employee or customers, you can't do that. And then let them to have to have the go. And sometimes one tip I can give to any management team people is just speak less. <coughs> All you need to do, sit there, let them to have the say. Sometimes silence is more powerful than keep talking. Right? So just let them to have a go. Yeah. And, you just need to say one thing, have you finished? Then they will look at you and say, oh, it didn't go the way I want to. And mm. I didn't really piss him off. Mm. So then, yeah, because the minute when you actually lose your calm, you lost, regardless of what happened. So, Yeah, most people are talking for a reaction yeah. or for an answer. And yeah. you're right, when, when they don't get it, I think that's also marriage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, there's no insurance for that, though. No, there's it's life insurance. <laughs> but we can only insure the reaction, so don't don't give them one. Actually, is, is there marriage insurance? Well, I'm not aware of that. Any? Uh, no, no, no. You're on your own there. You have to invest into yourself, mate, to make sure you keep the marriage or colour clean. It depends how you do it. It's called a prenup. The pre. Ah, yeah. well, there you go. It's called a prenup. So, um, 25 years too late for that. So, um, so I guess when you walk into a business, you got all these. You said you got all these risks that mm-hmm. you're assessing, mm-hmm. and then you uh, just simplify the process. Yeah, one payment, away you go. 
done. Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, the key thing for Dave and I, because we work as a, as a team, right? Because Dave is uh, he's been in the industry for twenty years. Um, I'm more having the finance background. I'm learning very quickly in insurance, uh, but I have a, a group of network that behind my back, which is is very very supportive. So we go out normally when it comes to simple risks. I start talk like talking, and when it comes to complicated ones, unfortunately, Dave has to jump in and, and assist me. So um, I guess our key goal, like our main goal, is one right to make people's life easy. That's our main goal. When I say easy, it's not just get everything done, don't even worry about it, do everything online. That's not easy. That's actually more complicated because eventually, when it comes to claim, you say, "Oh, we didn't even realize that." That's actually make everyone's life harder. So our job is to. Walking and have a conversation like with Michael and make his life painful, but eventually he will realize we actually do the right thing, and then sort of preempt everything and identify all the risks and discuss that in, in probably the first two meetings, and uh, eventually when something does happen, Michael already understand what's happening, what we have, what we don't have, and then we organize all the funding, we do all the claims for you. If people pay monthly, we we do funding, or you can pay one hit, which is fine. And uh, then we organize the, the claims for you. All we need is a, a little bit extra information from you to actually help us to get the claim paid. Um, I guess this is our role to make insurance easy for people. And because, because the, the easier we make your life, the more engaged and the, the more people are more willing to actually engage with you. And the more, you know, we'll be happier to listen to what you have to say. If you make the, their life hard, they say, no, nah, 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 I don't want to, I'm busy enough. Why do I want to spend more time to listen you know, to all this crap? So I think, yeah, this is our main goal. And Stephen's right, like there's many of afternoons when I jump in the car and we spoke about it this morning where some, just a situation or something's happened um, during the workday and it's great, you know, having Stephen Dave um, just to be there, run it over and then, yeah, yeah, no, it's all good or give us a bit more information. And by the time I get in the morning, they've already shot me an email saying, okay, <clears throat> give us this sort of information or, you know, there's no risk. Or, so it, it's really good to have that relationship with a broker, yeah. especially, you know, for a business manager like myself, just to have someone that is willing to come back. You know, if I had to get on the phone to Suncorp or Alliance, half an hour I'd be sitting on hold. Within two minutes, you know, I've already got an email coming back to me um, with some really good advice on, you know, what we should do or how, how we should go about this and... Yeah, I think this is also the thing, uh, the, the one thing we, Dave and I do actually slightly differently and it's our goal to actually make it better. As a broker, like we don't just simply talk about insurance, we care about you as the person, right? It's a relationship. So uh, it's it's a very broad terminology. People always say, oh yeah, I need to have a relationship with customers. I mean, uh, most of them don't, okay? So when I say relationship, I'll ring Michael and the finance manager of the business or the owner of the business, I wouldn't say every single day, but every, say, week, a week and a half. I just, how's things going? How's your staff? You know, how's your business? Is it growing or going down? Um, you know, how's the recent interest rate going up, you know, affecting your business? Like, for you to have that conversation, and you want to make your clients understand, you always have someone behind their back. Whether it's finance-related advice, HR-related advice, I mean, every broker's different. Like, my background, is, you know, fortunately, is having a little bit of finance and HR. So I, can add, I believe I can add more value to the process. If that is the case, I'm willing to do it. Even that means there's no income for that, that's fine. Because I care about you guys as a whole, like a business person. I, I do want to, you know, keep that relationship. That's that's the key thing for, for yeah, for my actually career. Yeah. We we say this to clients all the time. You don't want to spend all your money on insurance. I mean, if we're talking about something you want to do in your business and something new, uh, the first conversation would be, Well, how would you manage that risk wise if you couldn't buy insurance for it? And then 
we talk about how we could do it in a really low risk way and then also go and find out what it would cost to insure once it's a risk managed activity rather than just oh yeah we can sell you something for that mm. you know we don't want you to spend all your money on insurance at all and if you are going to buy insurance we don't want you to have a claim because it's no fun even if you're covered um so yeah those types of conversations to to you know maybe talk about how you'd undertake an activity can have all the, all make all the difference as to even whether you need to buy insurance and prevention's the big key absolutely um you know i sort of relate that back to life saving like we're down on the beach we put the flags up we're not there to save lives we're there to prevent people from drowning mm. and prevent them from being in danger you know, I, I couldn't even count on one hand how many people I've actually gone out and saved in the 15 years I've been lifesaving. Is, um, is that because you haven't had to go into the water or because you're a really bad lifesaver? So you've got people, but you just couldn't bring them back. No, no. <laughs> Michael was too slow again. Don't send Michael. I can send the fast swimmer. I can say that we've never had a fatality. <laughs> and usually when I'm awake. <laughs> but. You're right. You know, a lot of the conversations that I have with you and Steve is about the prevention. Definitely. Um, and what we can put in place to prevent a claim, to prevent having to have extra insurance, to, you know, put all these things. And I think that's also an important part um, of a broker. And client relationship is, as you said, getting to know the business to give us the best advice. Yeah, the, the conversations that we have are, are the most important aspect, I think, we would approach any risk with a sort of a three-step process. Um, in insurance lingo, we ha- we call it risk control, uh, which is a, a risk that you can totally wipe out with how you do it. Like, uh, installing a bollard so no one can drive through your window, something like that, where it's just gone once you've once you've put something in place. And then if it can't be controlled completely, risk management, and the third one's insurance. So you want to reduce your risk where you can't get rid of it completely. But if you... You know, and if you to a degree where you can't reduce it enough, where you're comfortable to to run the risk, essentially, then you can you you want to try and ensure that risk after that. So uh, those conversations are really important, and and you really do need to understand a business uh, quite deeply to have proper conversations around around each each little thing. I've spoken about things that I guess are, are now like are there things that you foresee in the future. Um, creating um, or, you know, something that we're sort of, you know, on the board that you're sort of hearing that we should be looking at now uh, to protect ourselves moving forward? Cyber is the key. Well, cyber is an odd one because it, it's it's a, an inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a the type of risk that it's a maybe. It's inevit- so inevitable that cyber insurance is essentially like a service. It's not, It's almost not. Oh, it's still insurance, but it's it's almost a service backed by insurance. So every cyber policy we um, offer or, or recommend comes with a hotline to call if if you have a what you think is a cyber incident. Doesn't even have to be one. Uh, if you, what you think is one, you can you have a hotline. You've got an incident response team um, with access to a range of services available to to get you out of that. So insurance is sort of improving itself it's becoming a service um where it insurance used to be just products um yeah that's true because uh funny enough like during that cyber seminar we uh they've got a voice voice message right so that lady calling uh, the ceo of a business from russia 
and and she is. If you hear that voice, it's actually a real one. It's not like a makeup case study or something. It's a real voicemail, like left on the CEO's mobile, and they they put it on the the screen and actually broadcast it. And it was she was that professional. I mean, you will be surprised. You will be more professional than most of the, the receptionists in, you know, for the business on the Gold Coast, right? So she, very logical, saying, "Hi,、uh, my name is Melissa, calling from whatever group,、um, from Russia. I'm actually ringing you just to let you know that、um, your system has been locked."、Um, and I've got, we've got all your da- all the data of your clients.、Uh, you got forty eight hours. If you want to actually have a negotiation with me, please click the link I just sent you, and then we go. They go into like a, a chat. A block chat kind of thing, and then we can negotiate a deal, right? If we can't reach an agreement, unfortunately, forty-eight hours later, all your clients' data are gone. We're gone to the public, and the media will be exposed. You will be all on the newspapers and all, you know, the TV news, Seven News, for example.、Um, yeah, but anyway,、um, this is I've, I've you know give you the courtesy. You got forty-eight hours to respond.、Um, please click the link, and we have a good conversation.、Uh, and I wish you have a good day. That's what she said. And、uh, if you're the CEO, you got that voice message. You. You will be actually, if you don't have a cyber insurance, I mean, I probably、yeah. wouldn't even know what to do from there.、So. Yeah.、And、well, the, the risk is is that it's fake anyway,、mm-hmm. and、mm-hmm. that by clicking or doing what they say, you're opening yourself up to it.、Again. No, it's actually、so、not. It's actually a genuine like a, it's, it's it's actually a proper negotiation. But the, the interesting thing is this, right? Like if they hacked you once, you pay the say fifty grand to get your you know unlocked or out of jail, and they will hack you again. Yeah, because they've done. They've, well, they've done already. Got, they've、sure. already got the key, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. In yeah. essence, they know how to get in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and and that's what's scary. Like our website, just the other week. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, you know, got a, a virus as such. Yeah. And that's all I know it as. Yeah. Um. So it it's real. It's、mm. out there, which obviously caused our web page to go down for nearly a week.、Mm. Um. And- It's out there because it, it's highly profitable.、Um, mm. In Russia, it's it's a legitimate business to、mm. to run a hacking company, and that's why customer service is so good because they they really want they your business. Forward, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a rising industry, so that that's something that we're just going to see more and more.、Um, and you can't one hundred percent protect yourself. No IT security specialist can one hundred percent protect your whole system or every eventuality. Or against new malicious code that's released every day, we just can't be done. So you need something. Yeah. The other thing is,、um, funny enough, lot, a lot of business owners or GM will ask the IT service provider or call IT specialist. Or how's our you know security system? Are we going to get hacked? I mean, nine out of ten, your IT staff will tell you that you're safe. But trust me, if Optus can get hacked, you will get hacked、mm. because their staff will be top. You know, IT specialist <laughs> better than most of the IT、yeah. stuff you can hire. So yeah, it's no one's safe. That's true. What what we see a lot is that companies with internal IT、mm. uh, have worse results for、uh, their IT security than companies that outsource it.、Uh, outsourcing your IT security, especially the security side of your IT, is really important because they'll give you frank advice.、Uh, where a staff member. Has to curtail some of their advice because they're an employee and they want to keep their job. Yeah, right. So I, I, that's what I'm seeing. Are you、uh, also dispersing the liability a bit if you go external? A hundred percent. You're giving them the responsibility. You know,、mm-hmm. if it breaks down, it's your fault. You are. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, it's、right. on a company, not on a person. Yeah, well, it's like you know, it's just an employee. Sure, you, you sack them, but you're still screwed.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, if、uh, they make a mistake,、yeah. they are liable to you the、yeah. same way when you make a mistake.、Yeah. Uh, that's the case. So, absolutely, get the professionals in. 
don't try and hire your mates or someone who you know, even if they're very good, you're still going to have the the advice they give you. It's going to be, you know, on the basis that you're also paying them a wage. So if you're putting food on their table uh, directly, I think, I think you may not get as um, sometimes necessarily harsh advice or, or expensive advice yes. that you would otherwise. So, yeah, that, that's my definite... That's what I'm telling all my clients at the moment is, is outsource it if you can. Um, I find it clever choice. We outsource nearly all the specialty um, fields that we do. Like we you know, have straight up digital yep. where we outsource our marketing. Because uh, again, you guys are professionals and we have some very real conversations that an employee just could not possibly have with me um, or, the, or the company for, sure. for fear of, like you said, losing their job. You know, we outsource our accountancy. We outsource our insurance. So... The major things where you actually need true advice um, and be on a level that you can speak to a GM or speak to an owner or a CEO without the fear of losing your job. Um, Absolutely. Makes for such a, well, for us anyway, Clever Choice is, it's just a, a no-brainer. Um, and I believe it's one of the main reasons for the success of our business is that we are outsourcing, you know, those special um categories within our business that are you know i'm getting the advice from you guys as i said you know i've been able to call steven or him call me sort of weekly and just give me that advice straight up digital i'm speaking to matt and chris regularly well i think i think you leave you know if you can be focused on what you're good at and not spread yourself too thin well then that's that's a pretty good Ethos for a business? It's Absolutely. Like I mean, Clever Choice is not an IT company. Why would you hire it, an this IT is specialist? It. This is oh, it. <laughs> exactly. What do I know about IT? That's right. Yeah. So if you're going to be good at something, just be good at that. Yeah. And, and try to just continually refine your business to be really good at that. And, and Matt, you do diversify. Sure, you might diversify into something related, but you're not going to go into IT. No. So Absolutely. you don't need that stuff, remember. Get some specialist advice. So you guys have just gone through a merger. And it seems to be something that you hear so much now, you know, companies merging and um, so from Ausbrokers uh, to now the BMS group. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yep. We were purchased actually, it wasn't a merger, it was, we were purchased Holus Bolus. So, oh, oh uh, really? Yeah. So who is the um, BMS group? BMS group uh, is an international broker, so we're now owned by a company that's um, predominantly actually, or majority maybe of the staff are, are based in the UK. Um, we have, they've been in Australia for I would say about eight years um, and and have remained quite small for that for that period of time and have decided that it's it's time to, to buy up a few businesses and put, get some footprint down, uh, get some premium behind them. Yep. Um, mind you they've got quite a lot of it already uh, because they were a, a boutique corporate broker um, with sort of Relatively few clients, but very significant clients. Um, and to support that, they're, they're looking to, to grow into the medium-sized business space and small business space because it provides a backing for um, for that corporate work that, that they're very, very good at. So um, we have offices in Singapore and the US um, as well, Bermuda essentially, So because we do some reinsurance broking as well. Uh, reinsurance is insurance for insurers. Um, and uh, so even insurers are insured. A hundred percent, they are. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So th- they'll buy insurance on on um, 
a, a risk, like a, a they'll buy cyclone reinsurance, for instance. They wouldn't. They're not insuring uh, against an asset, a single asset or anything like that. They buy reinsurance on a a category of risk uh, mm. a lot of the time. Yeah, right. <coughs> yeah, because, like, for example, if you look at you know March twenty two, the flood happens in Queensland. If you think Allianz or QB is paying two billion dollars out of their own pocket, mate, you're wrong. No one can afford to pay that. Yeah. Yeah, right. So they're insuring Themselves. in case of an event <laughs> yeah. happening. Yeah. So Which when they're paying out, then yeah. they're also got a claim going with their insurer. That's right. And it's so that they can remain doing what they do. Otherwise, you know, some of these big events these days, which they're we see tons out. of. I actually thought about that, you know. Yeah. And that makes sense that they've been insured for the catastrophes and insured because you're right. Yep. No one can afford to be shelling out $2 billion in premium or in, you know, in claims, can they? No, that's right. And when the pandemic hit, we lost a couple of travel insurance because everyone cancelled yeah. immediately and they were covered. It was one of the only insurances that actually was paying claims related to the pandemic mm. uh, because we were all told we can't travel immediately and that cancellation was a huge cost. We had hundreds of claims immediately. So it was very interesting. But, um, but yeah, we don't want to see that happen. We need insurers. <laughs> we need them around so yep. that we can do business to help us. Well, the more insurers you got, the the better it is, right? The better the deal, the, the bigger the, the pot, coverage, the bigger yeah. the pot. It's yeah. also, also important for us to to because because every insurer is like you know reacts differently. Uh, we also you know as much as we care about the clients, we care about the insurer as well because we need to find out who is actually willing to jump in. And it's it's kind of like a give and take, right? Because if we give, say for example, if we give insurer A all the businesses, we want to have the care factor and you know, pay the claim as in return, not just you keep taking, take, take, and never give. Yep. And sometimes, you know, claims is not always going to be black and white, saying it's, it's paid or not paid. Sometimes it can be paid, but not really. But how can we find or in, in the grey area for the insurers to come out just saying, hey, you know what, it's not covered, you don't have the, you know, clause, but I'm going to offer you X. It's very important because we can see the faith and support from that. And then the more they do that, the more we will move our business to the insurance. It's actually a win-win for all of, the, all of us, right? Whether it's clients, insurers, brokers. So, yeah. yeah. <coughs> and I guess that's the advantage that you have as a broker that's an individual like me doesn't have. Is Absolutely. That negotiation skill, and I yeah. guess we do it with our clients, there's certain uh, problems or claims that we pay out even when it's not our fault mm -hmm. because it's a business relationship and it's an ongoing business decision that you make. Yes. Um, you know, whereas just having one insurance client relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, it potentially is I pay you, but you still leave. Yeah. You know, because it's only one one deal. So yeah. that's also, I guess, an, another advantage of um, yeah, being a dealing with a broker is you have that power to be able to negotiate on your ongoing business relationships. Yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing is is a lot of clients doesn't see that the conversation we have with our insurers, right? We have one of our, our very key um, business partners, one of the underwriter came to our office last week. Um, I was part of the meeting and then they want us to give them feedback. I said, well, it's interesting you guys came here and want to hear the feedback. And they say, oh, yeah, anything exciting? I said, uh, yeah, there's one thing which is very exciting. It's your staff member, right? They're very supportive. They're very, um, they understand what they're doing and they come back to me all the time, like on time. And they say, oh, anything else? I said, uh, if, you if you come here today to actually want to hear the positive feedback from me, you will be disappointed because <laughs> I've, I've finished. I've finished my positive part of it. They say, oh, the rest is all negative. I said, uh, yeah, 100%. I said, let me explain to you why there's nothing positive from your business, okay? So your premium is expensive, that's fine, okay? I can justify that if you guys pay claims, but you don't, okay? You don't pay claims. And when it comes to, we challenge your decision, you declined it, we go to your internal dispute resolution department, 
declined again. Now we have no choice but take you guys to Africa. And considering we've been supporting your business for the last 10 years and give you all these premiums, for us to take you to Africa, it's actually very embarrassing because you, as a very key partner, right? take your wife to, to whatever, right? to the court. I mean, it's, it's sad, right? really. I said, and we have no choice. I said, if you guys are cheap, I sort of say, okay, you know, they're cheap because their the claim is not great, but you're expensive and you don't pay claims. How can I sell your product? I can't, mate. And you're not just a little bit ex- more expensive. You are 40% more expensive than most of the m- major insurers. I can't justify the price, mate, and I can't. Mm. And the process <coughs> become, go to you guys solely, become do the remarket, go reviewing all these deals, and now I don't go to you guys because it's a waste of my time. So we are having those type of conversations to solely try to protect our clients because we don't want to offer something to the clients and not pay your claim. It's our responsibility to make sure it's working, right? So for clients, just, again, make their life easy. Don't even worry about it because what we came to you and the service and product we offer is something going to protect your benefit the most. That's our, yeah. Like yeah, definitely. We need a lot of insurance. We want to we want to create competition mm-hmm. so that we can get the best deals, definitely. Absolutely. And we do need to sometimes have those robust conversations to keep them honest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Look, if I've gleaned anything from today... Leave insurance to the experts. Oh, 100%. And I think that spe- any business, any anyone who needs insurance should be using a broker. That's what I That's what I sort of... I didn't realise the extent that they went to. So this has been a good eye-opener for me personally. I, I was back in the day where my dad goes, oh, the insurance broker, and he effectively just said, here's your policy, and that's it. And then anything went wrong, it was we still had to deal with it. But now that I know that there's someone that's going to deal with it, I'm in. Oh, it's, yeah. it just makes life easy. Yeah. And I was like, I was like you, not only twelve months ago, um, before we really started doing business with these guys, and I thought the same. Yeah, you know, someone gives you some insurance policies, you check the price, you know, and as most people, okay, who's the cheapest? Yeah, let's go with that. Let's save ourselves ten grand a year or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, being able to sit down and then, like you said, go through with a broker and then really understand your business. It, it was a no-brainer for us at the end yep. um, to be given all that information. Yeah. I think one advice I'm going to give to any anyone is, especially comes to insurance, is if you if you believe insurance, do it properly and buy through a broker. Whether it's BMS or you know Aon Marsh, it doesn't matter. Find a good broker who actually you can trust, and then you know just deal with them. If you don't believe insurance, that's fine. If you don't believe insurance, you don't trust insurance, don't buy insurance because save you money anyway. Otherwise, you, you pay something for something that doesn't work and you've already wasted your money. So don't do that because the most expensive insurance is the insurance doesn't pay your claim. So. Actually, that's that's one that's a good question. Um, we spoke about this the other day. Self-insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, huge companies like Avis, Hertz, um, you know, probably huge asset owners around the world are all self-insured. Yep. So what's your um, look on... On this, like <clears throat> companies of that size, who you would think would be at the most risk, you know, they're fifty thousand dollar assets times probably fifty thousand. They're lending out to every Joe, yeah, um, but yet have no insurance whatsoever. Yeah, uh, usually they don't have no insurance, but they would self-insure certain aspects of their business, um, or what or set up what's called a captive insurer, which is a company, an insurance company that actually lives inside the inside the business. So they're, and they manage that all in-house, so they pay their own claims essentially. Um, it's, uh, it's something that you can't do unless you've got massive scale. So Yeah, right. Um, 
yeah, it's it's an interesting one. But but yeah, those, those car insurers definitely. Um, I think they made a lot of money on those excesses over the years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, five thousand dollar excess. Hence the reason why you pick up cars and the bumpers half hanging off and yeah, hundred percent. So they've oh, uh, look, they're very temporary. Those cars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just finally, ideal client. What are you guys looking for in an ideal client? Someone who's interested enough in their own business to take it seriously when when we come to see them. Just someone who's interested to talk. Yep, yep, perfect. I reckon that's a good place to leave it. If we need business insurance, it has to be BMS Group, there's no doubt. Speak to Steve and David. They know their stuff. I've become a lot knowledgeable in the last 50 minutes than what I was. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it, mate, it's been a pleasure having you guys on the underlay. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Um, been very, very enlightening. Absolutely. And when Clever Choice end up making a claim, we'll get you guys back on and we can talk about that as well. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Michael. Great job again. Thanks, Matt. And um, you lead us um, down the right path always. I didn't need to today. It was it just worked itself out. But uh, from another episode from us, we'll see you in two weeks. So bye for now. Bye. Bye. See ya. listening to The Underlay. If you want to hear more, follow us on all good podcast platforms.